Today we have special guest Adil Ligari, and if I butchered your name, feel free to shame me now. No, hello everyone. You did great, Jordan. It's Adil like Adil Pickle, so that's usually what I say. All right. I, I, I crushed it. I, I, we're already you off did. to a great start. Think, things are looking <laughs> great. All right. Uh, go so <laughs> we, we met at Summit. I think we're talking at Summit this year. You gave a talk about uh, repositories. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, so uh, my talk was around... So now I work for CloudSmith, so it's sort of relevant to what I was doing, but I had actually written the talk before that, um, sort of talking about PowerShell Gallery and uh, the fact that, you know, we're all PowerShell users here. Uh, and a lot of times what happens is the PowerShell Gallery, like last week, goes down uh, and you have code that in your production pipelines that relies on the PowerShell Gallery being up, being able to consume modules from it. So my talk was just around a couple of ways you can go about uh, mitigating that outage. Uh, and one of them, of course, surprise, surprise, is, is CloudSmith uh, as an option for a private repo. Very cool. Was that the only talk you gave? I could have sworn I saw you all over the place. <laughs> I was definitely around a bit. It's been a few years being involved in Summit, so I really enjoy catching up with friends there. We did a, um, me and Stevie from uh, Chocolatey, so uh, Stevie Coaster on GitHub and, and Twitter. Uh, me and Stevie gave a side session on uh, remote work, the challenges of remote work and, and how everybody you know, everybody became a remote company during the pandemic. So how do you deal with that? How do you work asynchronously with your team? And how does it affect, you know, your mental well-being and your work-life balance and health? Interesting. That's yeah. piquing my interest as a remote worker for a long time. It's really a job, right? It's not easy. I think that a lot of companies went from remote um, remote for forced, remote first to remote forced in some ways. Like, you know, they talk mm -hmm. about being remote first, but they're actually kind of a remote forced company. Um, so it's like a lot of folks who still end up going into an office sometimes, and then some people end up staying at home. And uh, it's not always an effective uh, model because the people who are in the office try and huddle around a video conferencing uh, setup, and then the people from home who are tuning in don't get the same experience or don't have, get the benefit of those side conversations. So, uh, you know, it's a challenge, but we all face it. So it's all work we got to do. Yeah, interesting challenges. I feel like the, the odd man out because more and more the the work from re remote work is mandatory. More and more people demand it as part of the thing. And I hate it. I, <laughs> I fought so hard to get back into the office as soon as I could. As soon as it was safe for me to return to the office, I, I push hard you know, for it. And uh, my, my productivity plummeted during the pandemic. And it's, it's back up now that I left. So <laughs> now that I'm back in the office. You know, I think that's an important thing to highlight is I don't think that remote work works for everyone. And the folks that it doesn't work for really have to have, you know, more strategies or coping mechanisms around being isolated. Uh, I know friends of mine who actually do co-working where they'll literally open up a Zoom call or a team session where they're working alongside their coworkers. You know, and they're, they're working on their own work, but they're just next to each other. So sometimes that even helps just in terms of being able to bounce ideas off someone else or you know, just have somebody there socially. Yeah. I find that being a remote worker for a long time, it's really important for me to occasionally hang out with people in real life. So 
going to conferences is really awesome to be around that kind of thing. Or, you know, if there's company get togethers, that would be super cool. Um, but just like, I was thinking kind of quarterly would be a great cadence for me. Like if I can quarterly go to some kind of thing, whether it's local, whether it's remote and now, obviously with the Gainesville PowerShell user group, I have that. Um, but it, it makes a big difference just occasionally having some kind of physical connection in some way, even if it's just seeing a person. Yeah, I think that Summit helped. We were talking earlier, right, Jordan? Summit helped to recharge all of our batteries a little bit. PowerShell Summit this year. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, wait, I, I didn't think that I could top the experience of my first time going to Summit, and man, I, I participated more. Maybe, maybe that's why I enjoyed it so much more this time. But uh, something about the Summit. It uh, if, if you don't leave there excited to dive into PowerShell, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's because that was that's, that's an experience that. It's now changed my life three times in four years. <laughs> That's an awesome success story, Jordan. I think I think Summit strives to be that for a lot of folks, even this year, because it was a smaller group, obviously coming out of the pandemic. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be a little bit different, but I, it ended up being a really amazing experience. I actually liked having the smaller core group there. Yeah, we talked with someone who mentioned kind of one of the advantages of the PowerShell community is how close it is and how you can really reach out to the person who wrote your favorite module that you're using all the time. Um, whereas in other languages that may not even be approachable. Um, and everyone's so friendly too. You're not really afraid of it. It's kind of cool. It's an exceptionally welcoming bunch for sure. I probably, I would say started getting actively involved in it about five to seven years ago. And I just showed up in uh, the chat, you know, in a lot of places, like I think Slack was the first place probably five years ago that I showed up in, in bridge, which connects all of the channels. So IRC, Slack and discord, uh, I eventually moved to discord, of course, cause it's the better platform hashtag dark side, pretty good. but, but I, but I definitely feel like that was a cool way. Like Jordan, you said earlier, uh, you get out of it, what you put in. Right. So I started hanging out there, asking some questions. I started getting answers. And then before you knew it, I was answering questions for other people and just hanging out there making friends. And I think, a lot of the the uh, old school PowerShell friends I have that I still talk to almost daily are uh, are you know from from that from Bridge back in the day. So shout out to Bridge. I recall running into you at uh, BridgeConf in I think 2018 was it maybe 2019? 2019, and 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very impressed. It just really seemed like you. We're going an awesome direction and already were like you were talking about config management, I believe at the time. And I was just um, not really introduced to it before that speech you gave or not speech. It was more like a small talk, but you had a lot of expertise mm -hmm. and talked about it a lot. It was like an open discussion, I guess. Um, but yeah. Were you involved in that? I, yeah. I yeah. So, so 2018, so 2018. That's, 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 that's generally the timeline. Yeah. I think there's two things that I remember um, us speaking at specifically, uh, Andrew, when first one was like my first conference, actually. So talking about PowerShell leveling up your career, uh, I was working at the university as a sysadmin. I was a senior systems analyst at the University here of British Columbia in Canada for about 10 to 15 years, depending on how you count it. Uh, and uh, when I was working there, I wasn't seeing a lot of PowerShell being used. That's kind of like just like the local like in my team's evangelist for PowerShell talking about, hey, you know, you could do this. You can automate this many tasks, system and tasks um, using PowerShell. And so I remember the first time I attended PowerShell Summit was actually in 2019. And I remember seeing you there, Andrew. I think Kevin Blumenfeld introduced me to you. And that was the first time we met. 
I didn't have any talks that year, but that was my first time attending in person. I actually had to pay out of pocket to go there, but that's how much value I thought Summit would bring because I had so many friends in the PowerShell community. And uh, that's actually where I met uh, my old CEO, Rob Reynolds, and he later offered me a job at Shopify from that. So, so it definitely is very real in, in uh, you know, level, helping you level up your career. But then I think about six months after that, you know, when we got into the pandemic and we were missing PowerShell Summit being live, um, myself, Thomas Rayner and Corey Knox, two of us from the PowerShell community, the three of us together um, put on BridgeConf. We hosted um, a virtual event and that was the first sort of virtual event before virtual conferences were everywhere, we kind of decided, hey, let's just do this using a shared Zoom account and let's see how many people we get in. So for the PowerShell community, BridgeConf like had a huge turnout and it was very organic. We just sort of did it. It was virally famous. But uh, after that, then we've had a lot of iterations of other conferences come out. But yeah, that was where probably you heard about some of the configuration management stuff and other things. I, now that you mention it, it actually was NanoConf. Ah, okay. Yes. Sorry. You're in right. my mind, I got the names mixed up, but yeah, BridgeConf was a very cool thing that you guys put together. Yeah. So NanoConf was really cool. It's funny. I talk a lot. So, <laughs> so obviously there's a lot of random places you might've seen that stuff, but yeah, you, you can't shut me up. They, they, my, my boss used to tell me they pay me by the word, but, uh, but like, <laughs> uh, it very much, uh, NanoConf was, was funny because yeah, that we had a, I'd worked on some configuration managers and we had a small like little working group as a side session from that, right? Where we were doing a group talk. And uh, because our team at UBC had evaluated Puppet, Chef, and Ansible at the same time, I had a little bit of like knowledge in that area to say, hey, these are the pros and cons of these different platforms. Know this before going into it, you know, sort of if you're exploring it. And then I did a talk, I think at PowerShell Summit, 2021, I believe, on configuration managers and comparisons and contrast between a couple of options. I think it was DSC Puppet and uh, um, Ansible at the time. That that talk is up on PowerShell.org. That's awesome because you were able to take something that you needed to do for work and probably you got paid to do it. You took that initial mm-hmm. knowledge, you shared it willingly, helpfully, like some, you save people a lot of time by sharing that information. And also it really kind of gave you some stuff to talk about. That's that's awesome. I love to see that kind of natural system where it's not forced. There's no um, extraneous effort. It's all kind of natural. Like you learn something, you teach it, you learn more. It gets you to a better level because you've improved all those skills. Absolutely. I think that that was um, my experience with Ansible is actually one of the things that um, Rob tagged me for when I came on at Chocolatey was we hadn't really used Ansible that much with Chocolatey. And we ended up reaching out to Red Hat and develop, going to Ansible Fest. And we actually developed a partnership with Chocolatey and Red Hat at the time. So uh, uh, Chocolatey was an Ansible partner. Uh, and we did a bunch of joint webinars together, other stuff. And, and the fun thing about Ansible is, you know, all the Windows-based stuff for Ansible is all just PowerShell under the hood. It's, uh, you know, Python is running the calls and stuff, but everything, uh, PyWinRM does a connection, but every all, all the individual modules and stuff. Uh, if you ever um, out in the community checking out YouTube videos, if you ever check out Jeremy Murrah's stuff, Jeremy Murrah is my brother from another mother. He does a lot of cool Ansible PowerShell stuff. So you can you can write whole PowerShell modules or convert them into Ansible modules pretty easily. He's a really cool guy. I love that guy. Mm-hmm. So you do something similar to a Stevie Kosher they brought up earlier, where you'll just have some knowledge and someone say, hey, can you throw up a talk on that? And you just dive right in and you have a talk. I, I respect that a lot. That's like, I, I've spent 
I don't know, since since I left Summit, I'm like, well, I want to talk. That's the next progression is I need to talk to this thing. And every idea I have, like, this is dumb. I just I just reject <laughs> everything I ever thought of. So the ability to just that quick is like, oh, I know this. I'm happy to talk about it. That is awesome. I, got, I, I need to know your secrets. I, I don't know if it's awesome or it's foolish, Jordan, <laughs> to be honest. But I, I do have to give both of you credit because uh, a lot of the PowerShell podcast stuff that has come out of actually before Summit and stuff, but but um, right around that timeline with you two starting this, I know that there's been since, uh, you know, the Power Scripting podcast was around before. I know there's been sort of like, uh, you know, a, a gap in the community where, where a lot of folks wanted an ability to, um, you know, speak about PowerShell and tune into something like a podcast on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. And I think YouTube power to you, full kudos. You, you, you filled that gap well. And I think that's, that's really what people are gravitating to. Right. I, and I, I think that's the same concept I, I, I ascribe to when I speak about uh, different topics is like, you don't need to be an expert in it necessarily. You need to know enough to save somebody else a little bit of time. And even if I save somebody five, 10 minutes, it's probably worth putting out there. So yeah, this there's so many do, benefits to it. Talk, talking to other people who are awesome and letting them showcase their stuff, that's easy. I could do that all day. That's all this is. Uh, <laughs> doing something for it's myself, not that that's easy. where I struggle. <laughs> I don't know. It's easy for you. It's not easy for, for a lot of people. It's a pretty challenging thing to know, just, we bring do in, something like this. We just bring in crazy smart people that, that talk way over my head, and I love it. And I come away learning. That's, that's all this is. This is uh, I'm tricking people to teach me for free. Well, really, which, helping out other people while you do it. <laughs> well, really, what I feel it is, is Jordan, you're a force multiplier for people around, right? That's, that's what you want to be in. And there's, that is a role in the community, right? You don't have to be the person who knows everything. I think I've gotten, I, I, I attribute a lot of my career and success to surrounding myself with people who know a lot more than I do. And, uh, you know, learning through osmosis a little bit. So, so you've, you've got, You've got a great group of folks around you, so definitely use them where you can. Because I've often pinged somebody like, uh, you know, uh, Mark Krauss or Kevin Blumenfeld or, or Stevie Coaster or all these these great folks in the community, and said, "Hey, I could bang my head against this um, issue for an hour, but I know you've solved this before. I've seen a blog article. Can you help me for five minutes?" And I've done pairing sessions. People have hopped on. We've shared code. Everybody's so and like you said before, Andrew, it's one of the most welcoming communities in the world when it comes to tech. So really I would encourage all your listeners to, you know, uh, use it, use it while you can, like never be afraid to ask the, ask the silly questions in the, you know, in the PowerShell Slack or discord or reach out to your colleagues. Cause there's a lot of smart folks who are very willing to give their time. Definitely. And um, I mean, maybe you can speak for this from all your config management stuff, but would you say that by teaching others, it kind of helped you learn it to the next level? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think <laughs> there's a whole, concept we have around uh, PDD, presentation-driven devel development, right? For, uh, for conference-driven <laughs> development, where you have to, you sign up for a talk, and I'm like, I don't completely know this topic yet, um, but I would like to see this in the community, so I'm just going to go ahead and commit to uh, learning this and uh, well enough to present it in the next three to four months or however when uh, the actual RFP is due. But yeah, definitely, that's that's a big uh, a big driver behind it because if you want to be able to explain it to somebody sometimes in the early stages of practicing your talk and explaining it you help help yourself understand it better i think also having kind of timeline and the due date really encourages you to actually learn it because i know for me i have a lot of ideas about learning new things but 
when there's a deadline and a talk that you have to give, I actually do it quite a bit more. Yeah, definitely the sweat and bullets thing, right? Like you have to, you have, it's crunch time. So you definitely have to go um, and, and, and get it all done. But yeah, yeah, I've, I, yeah, I've, I haven't always, I'd like to say I practice what you preach, but there's plenty of times where, um, you know, I'm, I'm up late nights the week before the conference tweaking my code to make sure everything works. I heard somebody say that a talk's really not done until you've given it. Like until then, it's always a work in progress. A talk's really not done until you've given it three times, I think. <laughs> you kind of have to like give it. And honestly, if you have material, like here's, here's a tip I think I learned um, probably the hard way, but you don't have to, um, is, you know, if you're, if you're actually exploring a topic and wanting to give a big talk on it, like at the level of a PowerShell Summit or a PSConf EU, uh, you know, give it a few times or a practice version of it or a smaller version of it at a few user groups first, right? Helps to hone your skills. I learned that from Chrissy. CL, uh, Chrissy Lemaire is amazing for that. She ends up giving her talk to, to smaller user groups and then it ends up giving value to them then and, and then has like a more full-fledged and deeper dive version of the talk for, for some of the bigger conferences. So, but just Chrissy's amazing. There's so much to learn there. She is. That's a great tip. I need to do that. So it sounds like the takeaway is it's easy for me to reject every idea I've had because it's all nebulous. There's no set thing. But if I if I said a commit, I have to have a talk by a certain time. All of a sudden, these ideas that are unacceptable is like, well, it better be good enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Jordan, Jordan, I think we're going to get you to give a talk next year for Summit. I feel like Summit? you should put the commitment in. Yeah. I feel like you could definitely do that. I would support it. What to talk about? If, if I oh, I create a self-depreciation module. It's like, <laughs> how about self appreciation? And we learn by yeah. doing, and you know, might might have some positive benefits. Get dash compliment. Get dash compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or get self affirmation, right? Like, yeah, you're good. You're you're great, Jordan. You are you are you are wonderful. Yeah, Jordan Stuart Smalley. Import module Stuart Smalley. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's it's good. Uh, actually, Mike Lombardi, another colleague of mine, PowerShell, great guy, and now over at um, uh, the Microsoft team for Docs with Sean Wheeler. Um, Lombardi gave me a great piece of advice, which is uh, him and Glenn Sarti, when they both worked at uh, used to work at P Puppet, actually would uh, do practice talks. So they would both be giving a talk, and so the weeks leading up to the talk, they would practice against each other and give each other advice. So just like you know. Uh, do a dry run with a friend of yours or a colleague who's also preparing a talk and then you both give each other feedback. So that, that was immensely helpful for them. And uh, they're both amazing orators. Uh, you know, if you've ever heard a Lombardi talk or Glenn Sardi, both of those are, uh, you know, mentors of mine. Great tip. Lots of good, useful information. <laughs> yeah. So this has turned into like uh, conference tips. <laughs> yeah. That actually happens a lot when all the guests come in and we start talking about the conferences or different meetups or just the community. And every time the enthusiasm just bubbles over, we end up talking about this more than almost anything else. It's just how to start contributing, which is, I think is valuable. We've had some people reply to us that they've taken that and started contributing. We had some people make their repo live. I think that's been pretty fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah, wow. we've seen a couple of repos, some people joining GitHub. Um, yeah, there's been some cool stuff. And I think that the reason why we always see that passion is because everyone 
who's on this show so far has seen the value of contributing to the community in many different ways. Like, yeah, speaking at talks, yeah, writing blogs, yeah, just being active in the Discord and Slack and answering questions and connecting with people, like asking good questions. There's just so many ways. Um, and all the outcomes are generally positive. So it's hard to not kind of get excited when you see so much good stuff. It's so efficient. We all love efficiency. It's so efficient. Yeah, I think a big part of that too is like, I think for, for, for folks listening at home, it's often that imposter syndrome, right? That gets in the way of everything. And I think I'll be the first to admit, and I'll happily admit this, that I'm usually the worst power seller in any room that I'm in. Uh, and, and that's exactly where you want to be. You want to be around people who are better than you at it. And that's how you actually get better. I attribute a lot of my success in PowerShell to surrounding myself with folks who are smarter and not, you know, not ever being afraid of posting questions. And, you know, even, um, you know, even then still like, you know, pushing my own uh, material and my own modules and my own code uh, against those people. And, and not, all of them have been nothing but encouraging in that process and shown me ways to improve it. So, so don't ever be afraid to be, um, you know, the, uh, the weak link in the room, so to speak. Yeah, I we don't talk about imposter syndrome enough because I just, in my mind, I, I I deal with it and think about it so much. Um, but yeah, man, it's a big thing. I kind of feel similarly. Like even running the podcast, like oh, we're not the experts of all experts. Um, but yeah, we. I definitely feel like the worst PowerShell in the room at times as well. So but imposter I, syndrome led to a fight with my mentor once. Because we were doing oh, yeah. something in PowerShell, and I had done something he had never seen before, but I just assumed he knew everything I knew. So he was trying to get an explanation from me, and I thought he was messing with me, and he just turned into we're like button heads until finally he figured out what I was talking about. I was like, I had no idea this worked this way. And it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a long general argument because I couldn't accept the fact that the guy I'm talking to didn't know a single thing. Like He had to know everything I knew. It was an interesting moment. Yeah, I guarantee Nobody between the three of us. Yeah, I guarantee between the three of us, there are things that each of us don't know about PowerShell. So we could all teach each other something. So it's cool to be able to have a language or a platform where you can go into any room and it's like that. And when people see the value, they're very interested in helping new people to contribute. So um, you mentioned being comfortable asking those questions. Oftentimes, people are happy to see someone asking curious questions and to see someone trying to take that next level and struggling with probably similar things that they've struggled with. And they'd be happy to save you some time and connect with someone else who experienced the exact same issue that they have at some point. Yep, absolutely. That's the greatest dopamine hit if you save somebody some time. I always tell people yeah. that I love helping and for selfish reasons because I just love the uh, enjoyment I get out of you know making somebody stay a little better there. Definitely. Um, slight pivot, but I'm curious. Uh, one topic that we haven't really covered on this podcast before is repositories. I know we've kind of mentioned the PowerShell gallery as a repository and um, I think installing things from the repository, but what are repositories just like generically and then within the context of PowerShell? Yeah, great question. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, I think uh, it's important to discuss repositories just when it comes to any sort of code. So a repository is just a place where you can store code that is packaged in a certain format. Um, so when we talk about uh, Node.js, there's NPM repositories. When we talk about Docker images, there's Docker registries, which is just a fancy repository. And uh, in the case of PowerShell, what we have is a NuGet repository. 
Uh, NuGet is just the packaging format for a lot of .NET code, so .NET C Sharp uh, code and also PowerShell. So every PowerShell module that you create um, gets wrapped in this NuGet wrapper and then pushed up into a NuGet repository. Uh, and it is NuGet v2 specifically right now. Um, there is future support plan for v3, but it's a NuGet v2 repository is what we're talking about when we talk about the PowerShell gallery or even your own private repo if you want to host it. Okay, interesting. So for, for PowerShell, the gallery holds just about everything, I guess. In what, in what cases or what reason would you want to have your own repo instead of just using the gallery where it's there and it has all these modules? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like why reinvent the wheel, right? Great question. Yeah. Um, I think a lot, large part of that is uh, the fact that uh, PowerShell Gallery, much like Chocolatey with the community repository, also NuGet packages, um, a lot of these are public repositories. So public repositories don't come with any specific uh, SLA or service level agreement or, or uptime guarantee, right? And so if you are using those modules, consuming those modules, let's say you have a GitHub action or a pipeline task or something else where in production you're running through some code and you're, you're spinning up a container and you're installing a PowerShell module there and doing stuff with it. If you're doing any of that stuff in production, you know, you obviously really care about the reliability and uptime of that uh, gallery to be able to consume that module from it. So the challenge is when you have a public repository, it can go down at any moment like we saw just last week. And then all your pipelines fail, which is not good. Now, in your console, you can check your current uh, repositories with the uh, get ps repository command. Um, by default, you should only have the PowerShell gallery or PS gallery. Yep, it should be there and it should be set as untrusted by default. So you actually can trust it by default. Otherwise, it will prompt you the first time to say, hey, do you want to trust it? But yeah, by default, the awesome. Power PS gallery is there and it's untrusted. Yeah. Well, we wanted to try something new in this episode, um, which is to use start transcript before we start running code. So shout out to Jeff Hicks, friend of the show, for giving us this uh, piece of advice. We ran some code a couple episodes ago, and it was kind of hard to follow. So he suggested we use transcript. So we will have a transcript, and the link will be in our show notes. And it'll be hosted on GitHub. But Jordan, do you have your transcripts set up and running? Well, like a, a true professional, I didn't uh, test or read up on anything about this. So I did just run start transcript <laughs> and I did not define the output file, but at least it tells me in the output where, where my file is going to go. So I can't capture that. Good. There you go. Live and learn. <laughs> All right. So I have, I have a transcript. So where are we going to talk to me like I'm Jordan level of PowerShell. How am I going to set up my own repo? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we can talk through it a few ways. We can do it live if you want practically, but we can also just speak to it uh, for the listeners at home. Uh, I think uh, the simplest thing is that CloudSmith or any other repository platform, they should support your native tooling. So PowerShell, uh, PowerShell get under the hood is the, the module that's used to uh, interact with uh, any repository. So you have commands like find module, install module, that's all reaching out to the gallery and trying to install. So you can very much um, do a, um, install your own, uh, obviously repository instead of the PowerShell repository uh, as a private repo. So get PS repository like Andrew Plaw already shouted out uh, is, is the way that you would be able to see what you have currently. Uh, and then you can also, uh, you know, 
set your own repository up uh, by register PS repository. So register dash PS repository is going to allow you to set up your repo. Now, uniquely, CloudSmith, what it does is when you log in, you can just use a Google sign and sign on if you're logged into Gmail uh, and you can log into an account and then uh, you create an org and a repo. It takes like 60 seconds to set up a, an organization or repository uh, similar to what GitHub has in the GitHub model. If you're familiar with it, it's the same thing. And once you have your org and your repo, there's a little set me up button on the screen and you can click on it and it actually gives you contextual documentation. So you can see, it will actually give you the commands that you can copy and paste to say, hey, this is how I would set up and use the register PS repository command in my PowerShell console. I've got good news. I, I have set PS gallery as trusted. So I, that's actually a configuration I, I changed. I don't normally do that in PowerShell. I found one. There you go. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Rock on. Awesome. Um, so one thing that I've had the need of as someone who writes modules for a company at times um, is publishing those modules, distributing those modules. Right? You can't always publish everything to the PowerShell gallery. That is not suitable for some internal modules for companies. Um, but if you have your Very own true. repository, you have some benefits there where you can uh, publish your own things. Um, but how, would, how are dependencies handled in that type of situation? Like say my module requires another module. Yeah, that's great. So, so I think um, I, I obviously you bring up a really good point, which is the fact that private repositories exist for a reason. Uh, a lot of organizations don't want to share their code publicly. So if you're writing code for your work, uh, there may be policies around being able to share that publicly. So not everything is published to the PowerShell gallery or should be. So in those cases, obviously, private repositories make a lot more sense. Uh, now, if those, um, obviously, if your PowerShell module is requiring other modules, uh, then you need to define that in the actual creation of your module, right? So in, when you're setting up your metadata and your manifests and everything, um, you can define the requirement of other modules, right? Um, so, so, so that's where you would define it. I think so. Well, a great example is PSDBA tools. So if you use DBA tools, um, of course, you know um, it requires PS framework. So PS framework gets installed as a dependency. And many languages have this, not just PowerShell. Uh, you can define dependency formats. In, in the case of Chocolatey, there's actually a new spec XML file where you define your dependencies that way. So, so generally, when you build a module, if you define your dependencies at the build time for the module, um, then, then your manifest, et cetera, will include that information and automatically install the module as needed. So you would have to, so say I had a module internally that used import Excel, I would have to save import Excel and then publish it to my repository internally. Yeah, so, so there's a couple of ways you can approach it. Um, if you have a, a module that has a dependency and you're using a private repository, what you can do is, uh, is you know, obviously keep the dependency, which is the other module and your target module in the same private repository if you want. Uh, if you've set up multiple repositories like PS Gallery and a private repo, then, you know, PowerShell will look for it. Um, and uh, if you've defined the install command from an individual repository, it's always going to look for it there um, first. So you need to have it there, but you can also install from the PS gallery if you need to, if it's a backup. Now, if you want a fully private repo and you don't want that reliance against, again, we're not relying on public repositories, uh, then, you can, then you can include the dependency, obviously, in your private repo. Or CloudSmith also, if you're using the paid version, has the ability of... Um, actually letting you 
define a upstream. So the great thing with an upstream is you can set the PowerShell gallery of your upstream repository. Then you just go ahead and install modules as you see fit. And it's just going to pull them from the PowerShell gallery and put them in your private repo. So that's the other useful pieces. You don't actually have to put any modules in your repo if you don't want to. If you set an upstream as the PowerShell gallery, then it's automatically going to pull every module the first time you install it and the dependency into your private repo. It's like a quick and sort of easy button way to populate your private repo real quick. Nice. And we said everything is just if you pull down the module, it's automatically going to go into your repository. So it will be there in the future then. Yeah, it essentially syncs from the PowerShell gallery. So so you could you could simply set up an upstream to uh, the PowerShell gallery in your private CloudSmith repo and then just consume modules as per normal. And then one day when the PowerShell gallery goes down, your modules will be in that private repo because everything you've installed has been going through that private repository and it's been upstream caching all of those packages. So I'm going through your walkthrough, which we'll put in the show notes of everything mm-hmm. you did. And I, I find the best practice just to run things and don't ask questions. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, one of your lines is uh, you unregister the, the PS gallery as a repository. Is that yeah. mandatory or can you have multiple repositories and then just set one as like, I want this one to be the default and the other ones if I specify them with the attribute? Yeah, it's a great question, Jordan. I think, um, you know, it's interesting that you say that. I, I do that because I was showing that off in my talk at PowerShell Summit. So I was showing that I, I was trying to make it clear to all the listeners that we're definitely not using the PowerShell gallery for any of this stuff. I'm not, there's nothing up my sleeve. I am using the private CloudSmith repo for that stuff, because basically I set the upstream and I installed a module like Burnt Toast, um, which wasn't even in my repository, but because I had set PowerShell Gallery as the upstream, my private repo pulled that down for me. Uh, so that's why I did it. But you don't have to do it at all. I think that I talked to Steve Lee about this before, and I think part of the idea is best practice for installing modules from anywhere when you're doing it in a pipeline or sort of programmatically is that you define the actual repository that you're installing from explicitly. Um, but you don't have to do that. I mean, if you're doing it in the console, you know, console cowboying it, so to speak, then definitely, you know, you just install and you can leave uh, whatever repositories open you want. It will look for it. Uh, the one thing, the one caveat to that is, of course, if you have a private repository and you have a credential to it, every time you do a find module um, and, and it's looking against your repository, unless you passed your credential it, with a dash credential parameter, it's not going to search against your repo. Well, I am officially... Uh repository list so oh there you go so i I, I guess uh we we better get this to work huh (laughs) (laughs) yeah now now the pressure's on right let me go over here and make sure that we're looking at the same okay go for it i I just was was looking through so obviously i i removed the uh, the ps gallery is the uh repository that's one you could probably re re re-add i probably just need to know the url to where it's pointing to which I can mm-hmm. probably look up the powershellgallery.com forward slash API forward slash V2, like a set dash PS repository. If I did a set dash PS repository with that as the source location, it would bring it back or is it going to be more complex than that? You know, that's a great question. So the <laughs> gist that I sent that you'll share with everybody after, I guess, in the show notes, um, that gist at the end of it has a way to reset and clean up. So at the end of it, it you'll see a command that says register dash PS repository and then a parameter called default. That default parameter will actually bring your PowerShell gallery back. You don't even need to worry about the URL. 
That's way easier. I'm going to do that now because I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't feel safe. Try it. Try it. Go for it. Register. It's thinking. Let's find out. All right, we're back. Pet panic. Uh, crisis averted. <laughs> Adil has got your back, man. He saved you. No problem. Look at well, oh, so you have a, service, a yeah. cleanup task at the bottom and it's all commented out, but if that's if they wanted to get it all back. So you unregister your demo that you show. Mm-hmm. And then you, you can also leave it registered un- if you want. And, and you also do the unregister package source. I guess what's the difference between the PS repo and the package source? You know what? That's that's really interesting because that's one of those things that people don't talk about often when it comes to repositories. Um, the underlying format for packaging uh, PowerShell modules is NuGet packages, and so PowerShell GET works to uh, like sort of abstract away a lot of this. But underneath, there's a lot of NuGet commands that are being run. So at that layer, um, we actually ran into this. So Kevin Marquette had a talk at PowerShell Summit, and actually this bit him at the end, and we, we were able to work through it right in his talk live uh, if you watch the video. So it's really cool seeing it like troubleshooting live. But, but a part of this is that the underlying NuGet source needs to be defined as well. So when you do a register PS repository, actually underneath the hood, what's happening is there's a package source being registered as well. If you are going to be publishing to that repository, you do need to run the command that I've put in there to register that package source and unregister it if you don't need it. Um, otherwise, when you go to clean up your repository later, uh, what will happen is folks will often do an unregister PS repository and then not realize that the package source is still there. So they'll, they'll try and re-register it later and suddenly they'll run into some errors going, hey, this isn't working the way I want. And that's because a lower, uh, sorry, a layer lower then the original uh, command of PS repository is the package resource or the package source. And that package source is the NuGet layer. And so that's something you need to think about. I mean, it's just tangentially, the command is there. You don't need to worry about it too much, but just know that there's, and there are every module that is packaged in PowerShell and put into a repository, a module repository is always done so in the NuGet format. So basically NuGet will wrap that in the NuGet wrapper and uh, as a NuGet package, NUPKG file, and push it up into a repository. So modules are never like just the folder and file structure you see. When they're put in a repository, they're in this NuGet package format. All right. So the for the source parameters, the provider name is usually NuGet. But if it's something different, you have to specify within those parameters. Instead of NuGet, the provider name equals. And then I don't even know what alternatives there are if we're trying to pinpoint where I'm at. <laughs> Well, Jordan, the great news about that is we can look up the doc right now, right? And uh, we can take a look. Get help as your friend. So if you do, if you look up register package source, which I'm doing right now, I don't uh, pretend to know all of this off the back of my head. Um, but um, if we look at pack provider name, uh, Bootstrap, NuGet, and PowerShell Get are the three options. Okay. You don't need to worry about it too much. Oh, I'm just uh, I'm just doing the get help for the transcript here. I'm, tr- I'm trying. I'm trying to capture every time we run something, so we can put it up in the uh, the new GitHub that Andrew created. Yeah, nice. we have a GitHub for our show notes now. So, if you have some arata, you'd like to fix some things. Um, yeah, our show notes will be there. Also, for this kind of thing, if we're going to be hosting like code snippets from stuff we ran, it's useful to be on GitHub. Um, so, yeah, go star the repository. 
that's an awesome plug, Andrew. I'll definitely go check it out after this. No, it's a good idea to sort of walk through what we're doing a little bit, just so everybody knows, because I know that Jordan's running some code and I've kind of given them the code to run, but I haven't really provided much context for listeners. Uh, so probably good to define what we're doing. So on CloudSmith, what you can do is you can spin up a, a org and a repo really quick, uh, as we said before. So uh, what you can essentially do is you can create your repository first. Uh, and then I have some commands in there that basically help you set up your repo in PowerShell in the console itself. Uh, and then you just get to uh, save a module locally uh, in a folder, and then you can push that module to your repo. Uh, and then you can test consuming that package from the repo after as well. And Jordan, you already uh, you configured your organization and all that, and you're now registering it. Oh no, I'm I'm uh, way earlier than less than that. I've got uh, I did the Git repo to show it, and then I did the unregister because I read the line, and if I read it, I run it. And then I did the Git so I could show that it was deleted, and then we went from there to we registered their repository of a default, which that's, that was a big one. Thank you so much. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I don't just run things. And then uh, after that, we've done the, the get help. But as far as setting everything up, I, I don't know if I have a, an account that we're talking about. Uh, so what I was thinking you might want to do um, is I can um, set up my Adil's demo account, which is what that command is for. And I can just share my API key with you so that you can run the commands as, as is. Right, and then everybody else will have to go and actually create an account on CloudSmith, but you, you don't have to if you don't want, um, if you want to just share that credential, because I can reset it after this call, so it, it, there's no no problem to me. So I'll, I can just do that now is um, the commands that are already in there work. So let me just uh, go in. Okay. Does that work? Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. And then once we do that, there's one line that I thought was interesting mm -hmm. where you specify the key, you have the CloudSmith API key, as an environment variable, so dollar sign uh, env going. So yes, I've always done it where if I create a key file, I export it as a text, and then I just put it in the, you know, a locked down file share. But this one, you just have it as an environment variable within your session for the API keys. Yeah, so that's one of the ways that you can deal with secrets, right? I mean, obviously, um, best practice use a secrets management module or use another provider for passwords. Um, what I tend to do is um, use environment variables sometimes when I'm shortcutting that process um, built into my PowerShell profile. Uh, what that will allow me to do is uh, if I'm using other commands or other uh, even other shells, uh, then those environment variables will persist depending on how, how we're at, what level I've defined them. Now, we have a CloudSmith CLI, which actually um, is written in Python, so we won't discuss it too much here. But um, that version actually uses an environment variable called CloudSmith underscore API underscore key. So I just pull that same uh, environment variable for PowerShell. And the nice thing is then when you have it, you can just point to an environment variable. So if I'm using like um, the same API key for different things and I have my PowerShell profile in a place that's not shareable by other people, then it's a way to just leave my actual credentials out of my code. I like that. It's, uh, being able to use things that require credentials that I have to type in is always something interesting. So we've covered a few different methods, but this is a new one for me. It's, uh, I think that's pretty handy. Yeah. How often do people actually use your session? It's going to be encrypted mm -hmm. by the DP API, right? Because it's going to be that machine, that, that profile. 
Yeah, well, data protection API for sure. I mean, encrypted in that in that sense, but but in general, if somebody doesn't have access to your PowerShell profile, they're not going to be able to access that file, right? The Microsoft PowerShell profile file that's on your local um, that's on your local system. So it's a good idea. I find when I'm just even if I'm just you know sort of uh, home labbing some of my code and just playing with it, I just try and leave any credentials out of even like just scratch scripts that I'm writing. So a good way to do that is just say, hey, just make them environment variables, stick them in your um, PowerShell profile so that just by default, even when you're running your scripts and you accidentally put them up in a gist or you know put them up in a GitHub repo, then you're not sharing your secrets with it. I was going to say, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure there are a lot of like things that you can run on like serverless platforms that use environmental variables to pass things around. Yes. I might be wrong, but yeah. No, no, you're absolutely like right. thing. You're absolutely right. So, so in pipelines like GitHub Actions, other things like that, like Terraform, a lot of places where you hear the dreaded words YAML, <laughs> which are not so scary <laughs> once you get comfortable with the idea that you know spaces is how you're separating lines. Um, the um, yeah, so a lot of those platforms all use uh, you know um, environment variables as their store for secrets because you can pass those in to a pipeline runner quite easily. Awesome. I'm, I know we're kind of using you as a, a guinea pig for this idea, but I'm uh-huh. excited about it. Because when we started this, uh, uh-huh. our, our concern was it's all talking, no show. So when it comes down to code, wh- how are we going to showcase it? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. actually talking through some of the code we're running, I don't, know, I don't know if this is less interesting listening than what we normally do, but having the end result, we can go in and see. I, I just would be curious what uh, when people listen to the episode, what they have to say, what they prefer. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, so I think like, I think it definitely, uh, we'll have to see how it goes because I'm, you may have to do some editing. <laughs> well, I'm sure this will be fun. I just, I was, the only thing I have to remove is uh, the, the key you gave me and then probably the, the path for my username and everything. Maybe don't want to put that out there yet. I, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. This is my demo account and I blow this stuff away regularly. So no worries there. Now that we've got the folder, we're going to try that line again. Okay. So the next part after, so I've set the location and this is where it's going to basically save the modules when it pulls them down onto your machine is what the set locations for. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a local folder. So that path um, that I put there is just right there in the local folder. I just say dot, just, just save it here. All right. And you know what I'm going to do this time? I'm going to skip over your line for uh, unregister. PS Gallery. I've, I've, le- I've learned. Oh, yeah, even, though you've learned. even though it's a single line to correct, you've, you've, you've scared me straight from random code that I don't know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like so uh, register the pa- package source. So it gives you the provider name and we set it as trusted. That's all stuff that's within your parameters with the name and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm running this line by line. I wonder if I could just cut all of this or just copy all of it and run it and it will give the thing. Yeah. I just don't want to, with transcript, I'm not sure where it's not verbose. I'm just, I'm just running it line by line, which seems wasteful because it's not putting any output on this one. I could just copy it all in there and run it. All right. Yeah. Just, I would recommend that. So when you splat out your code, um, it requires that multiple lines, right. To, to have each uh, parameter defined that way. So, so I just run that whole block. 
Okay. All right. So I actually I have it running. Uh, I don't have NuGet apparently on mine. So it is uh, after it my permission installing that. Yep. Which is great that it's prompting you. That's awesome. Uh, the challenge that folks find is in a uh, pipeline, they're not always able to acknowledge a prompt like that. So be sure that you're running the latest version of PowerShell Get and already have NuGet in your pipelines if you're running them. That's something folks will run into sometimes. Asking me a password for the user. So that should have been the credential that you created um, up top where you have. Yeah, dollar sign credit. Okay. Can I just put dollar sign credit in there? Would it, would it uh, fill it out for me? Oh, now I just went webcast for. I'm not sure what's happening here. <laughs> uh, and so, so it is asking for the password. Yeah, I think you need dollar sign cred to be defined if you haven't defined it up top. The key, right, and the pass and the cred, the 13, 14, 15 line. If you define those, and then at the bottom, it, when you run the whole code block uh, for for the repo and the, the with the credential, it should pass that information. Yeah, and I, th I thought I ran that. So we grabbed the key. I'm going to scroll up. To make well, there's nothing wrong with actually just what you can actually do is you can just run the 13, 14, 15 line again together, all together, three of those lines. And then um, there's nothing wrong with rerunning them. Yeah, you'll, you need to define your ENV CloudSmith API key variable. Which I, I did that one okay. statically, just figured we'd go through and remove the actual API key from there. Mm -hmm. But Did uh, you put. Uh, Single quotes around the, the actual key. I did. Okay, perfect. Let's see. I'm just uh, working on exiting that now. People are going to see a lot of errors now. Transcript's going to be fun for everybody. <laughs> it looks like the install package is where it's asking for the credentials. Oh yeah, where uh, is that in? Uh, oh, at the bottom there. So when mm -hmm. we install package. Okay, so yeah. install module, where it says install module repository repo name credential key. Yep. Oh, sorry. So, my bad. It should be credential cred dollar cred. Oh. Key. Yeah. Well, see, we, we caught there something. There you go. We caught something. So we'll fix that now. My bad. Uh, I got to say that makes me feel real good because I thought I had just butchered it. So I'm I was worried too. <laughs> you saved it, man. There you go. And, and the system I just, works. just killed my session before I uh, before I hit stop transcript. So, <laughs> oh no, what should be in there? So, but it sounds like everything ran. We see why it felt why it was asking for the credential because it was passing just the API key instead of the cred we built. Yes. So if I put that in there, then it would have gone through and it would have grabbed all the modules that were listed in there, which looks like PS Windows update and invoke command as were the two. Or mm -hmm. those are the sample ones that I that I that we pushed up. Um, and so those are the ones that you can test as well. I will go and fix this in the, in the code now so that you don't have it. I think um, there is one place where you use the NuGet API key, and that is when you're pushing to a NuGet repository or a PowerShell repository. And so there you need the dollar sign key value that I defined, but everywhere else you just need cred. Yeah, so it looks like line 56 where find module and install module, both are using key. Uh, line 52 where it has published module, it specifies NuGet API key. I think that one's accurate. Yes, okay. that's the only one that's, yeah, yeah. So this is the really uh, good stuff that the people at home tuning in on audio are going to love. Yes, line, line 56 <laughs> for sure. And line 64, uh, I have corrected now for okay. that. And also I will correct line 75. 
find module or an install module, um, uh, then it's going to be the credential that you need when you have a private repo. So even, even though I didn't get the, uh, the end result we're hoping for by the end, I still think we got a lot of useful information there. They can see the, the where we're running it. Uh, we'll put up there. I'll just keep the errors in there. If they listen through it, they know our problem. It wasn't with what we're running there. We just uh, didn't pass the right credential. And hopefully, uh, if they just want to run yours, that's fantastic. They just know what to change. We went over those lines. And if not, if they just want to see kind of the process, it's all in there now. Yeah, awesome. Yep, the gist will be in the show notes and it will be updated, so should work well for you. Um, comments are enabled on the gist as well, so say hello. Yeah, feel free to reach out if there's issues. So uh, this would have been a lifesaver early because we had bad documentation for one of them that uh, Sean Wheeler sent us to ask us to correct. And then I, I left out uh, an important piece for Mike Kanakos. I think I didn't even include his blog in our show notes. Yeah, and then he asked if we could add those. So if, if we'd had this at the time, they could just kind of add a comment and say, hey, fix your crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. That's uh, that's why I love repositories and uh, branches and PRs and GitHub, right? I welcome your pull request. <laughs> it's interesting uh, with a cloud-based um, repository, because I, I think, at least for me, back whenever I started, real early on i have a script file and then i would like deliver the script file and i would kind of think of things as just copying files but at a certain point you run into a lot of issues with versions and dependencies and things like that um, also if you're going into more of a cloud-based type deal it's going to be very important to have a repository like that because uh, you might have workloads running in the cloud not on your network not able to um, access things in that manner so it's kind of cool to think that you can have like a repository that's accessed from your console, from GitHub Actions, from all these different kind of cool places. Yeah, I think a big part of cloud repositories and cloud resources are in general is that everybody's moving to more of a cloud model for some of this. I mean, this has been happening for a long time, but when you think about developers, right, people writing code on their laptops, and if you write code, you're a dev, period. You know, even if it's just PowerShell scripts, you're still a dev. Uh, that's a great way to look at it, as my colleague Thomas Rayner likes to say. Um, but the idea behind it is, you know, now GitHub code spaces and, you know, development environments and VS Code, um, you know, remote dev containers will allow you to not necessarily need to have this beefy laptop or desktop to be able to develop and work on stuff. Everything is cloud-based. So even your pipelines, your GitHub actions, anything you're setting up, you've set it all to remove that single point of failure of your machine running stuff locally, right? So it's kind of great how you don't have to worry about resourcing, increasing your resources or having to scale up or scale out. Uh, the nice thing about CloudSmith in that way is we have 225 points of presence around the world. So if you push up a PowerShell module that you're working with your team on in your private repo, then you, know, you push it up where you are, Andrew, in Florida, then somebody uh, who's a colleague of yours that's maybe working in India can pull that down and just have you just as performance against that repository as you are. So we scale out for you. Awesome. And that's really cool if you're in an organization who's really doing things. Um, but also, if you're more on the smaller end where you're maybe the only one who's maybe writing some code, the only developer, or maybe a small team, um, CloudSmith is also a great option um, because there's also a free offering, which is really cool. Yeah, Can absolutely. You tell us a bit about that. 
Sure. Yeah, no, I'd love to. So those are my people, right? I'm the home labber <laughs> myself. So I do a lot of my development just on my home machine and at home in my free time. That's, you know, how you build up a lot of your chops and PowerShell in the beginning is just developing at home. So for the individual user for personal use, um, we do have a core plan and the core plan includes 500 megs, uh, I believe, of data storage and uh, I believe a gigabyte of, of data transfer per month. So that's just free of cost. So the average PowerShell module is in the, the scale of kilobytes or a few megabytes. You know, it's pretty small because it's just all just code and folders. So scripts, uh, PowerShell scripts and advanced functions. So in general, those are maybe a couple of megs. So you can, you have a sizable amount of space that you can store as a free user. So that's our core plan. And that's, you know, we have a commitment to always be free for that plan. So as a home labber or a personal user, uh, you can feel free to use us as a backup. Anytime the PowerShell gallery goes down, you know, you have that um, stash of PowerShell modules ready to go and highly available. For the source location, for other examples we use, it has been uh, set on the cloud, but for someone like, say, if they're on an air gap network, can you set the source mm -hmm. location as like a file share where they can still use it internally within their air gap network, but it, they don't have the ability to hit, uh, hit like the, the cloud or anything? Yeah, so um, obviously like CloudSmith is cloud native, so you wouldn't be using that as your repository. If you wanted to have your own private air gap network, yeah, you can definitely set up a, either a file share. The commands get a little bit different when you're using just a plain file, vanilla file share. But if you're using running your own NuGet server, let's say, um, you know, you can use uh, probably products like Sonatype Nexus that are out there that you can spin up uh, using Chocolatey really easy too if you want. Um, or you can just spin up your own NuGet server if you're familiar with like the .NET format for doing things. So, so uh, if you're running your own NuGet server, then there are those NuGet packages in the standard. Uh, then the commands are very similar to this. Basically, a NuGet API key is what you need, and that's what you use to interface and push packages up to that repo or file share, if you will. Awesome. I just checked. I, I do have uh, your repo added. And your, your demo repo, trusted. PS Gallery, since we uh, removed it, re-added it, not trusted. That's how I feel about our demo one. It's that solid. <laughs> That's nice to hear. Yeah. I think it's trusted because we added that parameter. Yes, we did add the parameter. You know, I don't want to get into the details. I'm just going to say I trust it completely. <laughs> yeah. Great to hear. I mean, I'm, I, I encourage, uh, you know, listeners to try it out. I think it's, it's a fun, easy way to have a backup repo if you need it. Uh, and, you know, totally low stakes. You don't have to give us a credit card number or anything. You can get a free trial and it turns into a free plan automatically. And if you're not at the point where you're using this kind of stuff, it's good to know that as you go forward, as you develop modules or internalize modules and things like that, repositories are something you're going to deal with. So revisit this episode if that's the case. Um, and you know, as you go through your journey, hopefully you have a few more things you can look for and be informed about before you run into them yourself. Absolutely. I think at the beginning, everybody is just a consumer of PowerShell modules, right? So even at the consumer stage, you can still benefit from this type of stuff. But yeah, as a producer of modules, you know, once you start getting your own API key for the PS gallery and pushing your own module up there, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate the benefits of this or understanding repositories a little bit better. Yeah. I, I think that some of our audience may not be at the stage where they're really downloading a bunch of modules yet, or I don't know how comfortable they are with package management. Um, but you definitely, as a consumer, it's, it's in your best interest to have a plan B for when the PowerShell gallery goes down. Yep. Wouldn't it be nice when every time, uh, the PowerShell gallery goes down, um, you're not stressed about it. 
So we keep on saying every time, like it's a, it's a common occurrence. I don't think it, like it happened, I think last week, but I don't think uh, the gallery is going down often. Is it? No, I, I mean like power. Uh, I will say, first of all, to preface that whole <laughs> statement about it going down often, uh, the PowerShell team is doing an amazing job uh, given the resources that they have to maintain. But I mean, I've talked to the PowerShell team and they're clear about the fact like, you know, there is no specific service level objective around it. Uh, they can't, there's no commitments as to keeping it up because that's, that's the, uh, um, you know, that's the level of the service that they provide or they can provide. Uh, so in general with that sort of thing, uh, what I've seen more than anything is every once in a while, you'll hear about the PowerShell gallery being down and it breaks a bunch of people's pipelines and they're trying to run something. Um, but the bigger thing that I hear more commonly is when a lot of my fellow PowerShell colleagues are trying to develop modules and they're working against the gallery and pulling down modules, sometimes it can be not as performant as they need it to be. So a lot of times there, uh, I've heard Chrissy talk about before when she's trying to pull down DBA tools as a fresh module, it's often, because it's a larger module and it depends on PS framework, it can take a while to pull down or it can be really slow and just performant to the point where she has to uh, control C and cancel out of her her process just to try and get it again. So it's not always the downtime that's bad. It sometimes can be the performance as well. Yeah. And to speak to the PowerShell team, they are doing a fantastic job. On the recent uh, PowerShell community call, they addressed the outage and what they learned from it. And uh, yeah, great group of people over there. And we'll put a link to that community call in the show notes. Um, but it seems like they're doing some cool stuff with the PowerShell community call. So I definitely recommend people get involved in that and come check out the next one live. Yeah, big shout out to the PowerShell team, actually, and specifically Sydney Smith, because I will tell you both that something we've talked about before uh, just a little bit, um, but that we're thinking about more deeply here at CloudSmith is uh, I was actually talking to Sydney and Steve recently uh, via email about the idea of hosting a backup to the PowerShell gallery with CloudSmith. So the idea being that CloudSmith would act as a PS gallery mirror or backup uh, and kick in when the PowerShell gallery was not available so that you know users out there for PowerShell in the community can still continue using uh, packages. I think uh, that's really where I think CloudSmith would be a good fit because this is the power of the community, right? Instead of just complaining about a service being down, how about we look at ways that we can fix it and not l learn to not have to rely on it necessarily. Sounds awesome. That'd be really cool. Yeah, so fingers crossed. If I can convince everybody on the CloudSmith side and get enough buy-in, I think uh, I think that would be really useful for everybody to have another place they could go to for PowerShell module. Feel free to tell them that uh, I approve. So oh. I don't know how much weight that will carry, but I, I approve this idea. Sounds great, Jordan. I'll, I'll let them know for sure. Uh, I don't know if we'd be able to do all the modules that are out there, but probably like the top or 500 modules um, that you know are the most consumed. Uh, it'd make a lot of sense to have a few versions of those uh, in backup. Because are the metrics of like the most downloaded modules, is that publicly available or is that something you'd have to work internally yep. to? Yep, you can actually see that against the PowerShell gallery. It actually lists the most uh, used modules. Uh, unfortunately, it's kind of tied to Azure. So there's like Azure modules have a lot of dependencies on Azure modules. So there's like, something like 70 of the top 100 Azure PowerShell modules are Azure-based. So it kind of conflates the results a little bit. I don't know that we'd 
be doing all of the Azure stuff there because once you go down that route, like it's a rabbit hole, like every Azure module depends on another Azure module. So, so that's, that's where you'll see the result and you'll look at them and actually uh, more than half of them is AZ dot something, AZ dot something or so. So that's something you have to keep in mind, but yeah. Yeah, they're up there. The stats are up there. All right. Uh, do you have anything like you're working on you want to plug? And I know you just stood up a, a new blog. You said you haven't moved your old content over yet, but you're planning on? Yep, yep. I, I stood up a blog that I've been meaning to do for a while, kind of convinced by my friends in the PowerShell uh, crew here, uh, specifically Andrew and other folks. Uh, so adilio.io, A-D-I-L-I-O.io is uh, my blog. Uh, I, I promised to start posting there a little bit more and migrating some of my blog content over. Uh, I'm at GitHub and Twitter at, at Adilio as well. Uh, as well, um, lately, what I've been working on for CloudSmith is working on a module called PS CloudSmith uh, with Stevie Coaster, um, who you also know from the PowerShell community. So we're working on basically writing a PowerShell module that's a wrapper around the CloudSmith API. So the you know the idiomatic PowerShell language practices of advanced functions and parameters and stuff, you want to be able to interact with an API in that way. So that's what we're trying to do for you is, is create a PowerShell module. But it's called PS CloudSmith. You can find it on GitHub uh, and feel free to uh, submit issues or uh, you know PRs or whatever you want. I'm happy to uh, improve that project in any way possible. Very cool. I'm starring it. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Full credit to Stevie Coaster about how awesome it is. He's done, Stevie's done the majority of the coding in that, in that, in that module. You know, it's weird he agreed to help work with and build an API module in PowerShell because normally he hates that stuff. <laughs> you literally just have to plant the seed with him. You have to be like, hey, I have an idea, Stevie. And uh, he'll be like, oh, God dang it. He'll be like, yeah, okay. One weekend later. Yeah. You got a real, you don't ever actually ask. You just got a real with like, hey, I was thinking about a thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, he'll kill me for saying this on, on, on a podcast, but that's, very true. The large majority of my career at Chocolatey was me saying, hey, Stevie, I have an idea. But he said <laughs> when he was a guest here that uh, anything, if the people reach out to him, he's going to be happy to help. Like he put it out there himself weeks ago. At Stevie Coaster. Yeah. Adil, where Easy. can we find you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm at Adilio, A-D-I-L-I-O. So I'm at Adilio in, on Twitter, on GitHub, and a bunch of the platforms. I know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big follow fan, back. Big fan. Yeah, big fan. Yeah. We covered some cool stuff today. There was some new stuff for the show. Definitely, repositories was new, but uh, we had to start transcript. That was a new adventure for us. Um, I am I'm curious about that one because this is something like I'm always happy to try new things, but I don't know if it always lands the way that we hope it will. So, if this is something you absolutely hated or loved or indifferent please let us know just because if we don't hear anything back we're probably going to do it again and if you guys hate it that's on you and i'll tell you what if you have that lovely feedback you'd like to give us you can email us um, powershell at pdq.com or alternatively and we're here in the modern era now guys we just had a new realization and that is that you can also just tweet at us <laughs> <laughs> at PowerShell Pod. Um, that's a lot easier for a lot of people. So feel free to tweet at us on social media. Tell us what you learned in this episode. Give us some feedback on Start Transcript. Tell us how you're liking CloudSmith if you set it up. Um, we're going to have some great links in the show notes to 
Adil's uh, PowerShell demo uh, from Con- from Summit. There's the PowerShell community call. Jordan, was there any other things? I thought we had another thing to announce. Is there any uh, big meetups coming up? Anything PowerShell related? <laughs> I don't know. Around June 30th. Oh, meetups, huh? I don't. I don't know about anything about about meetups. Uh, so let's see. Well, I think this episode is going live. Uh, what are we? The twenty seventh. So in four days, if you listen to this on the day it went live, is the the reboot of the Salt Lake City meetup. Uh, you can attend that remotely if you want to. If you're in Utah, you're local. Feel free to swing on by. We'll we'll give you food. If there, if you're remote, we're not going to give you food. Except for Gilbert, who's going to be talking about plaster. We're going to give him food. Stucco. Stucco, Stucco. and plaster, yeah. It's Stucco, Stucco so, plaster, yes. Yeah, we did an episode with him a couple of weeks ago, and he's going to go into some more detail and really get into um, the depths of Stucco and how you can use it in your organization. Um, and that's in three days from when this goes live. So that's this Thursday. Thursday at, I think, 6 Mountain Time. I'm going to tweet out the, the meetup. Eventually, you know, for my three followers, see if they want to attend. But we would love to. We'd love to hear from everyone. We know meetups have been fading out. We're trying to bring them back. I've got mine. I, Andrew has one in Gainesville. The more people attend meetups, I think the more we can get to take off. And we can get we can get back to the golden days of of meetups and everywhere. And that's that's the dream. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the dream's already happening. Uh, there's some there's something in the community that's cooking right now. Um, I can see it in the PowerShell community call that I'm at. You know, they're trying some awesome new things. They're open to some cool stuff. Um, there's some new initiatives that are pretty exciting. Um, and I'm really excited to be part of this kind of PowerShell wave that that's building right now. Same here. I think well, this was our most laid back, least called out show we've ever done. We didn't shill yet. Oh, we <laughs> we just said, we asked for feedback. I now, All right. Now, Andrew. Dear audience, if you'd like it. to take it to the next level with us, you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcasting platform of choice. Um, thank you. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, there's PowerShell at PDQ.com, or you can tweet us at, I probably know my own Twitter. What's the, what's the Twitter handle? PowerShell Pod. PowerShell Pod there. Thank you. Yep. Be sure to awesome. smash that follow button. <laughs> I, I hate so much that that's necessary but the the data is in like if you don't request any sort of feedback you don't get it yeah we're trying to build this powershell community so it's definitely important and it's great for us to to share um i saw something online recently where it's like how do i support my friends without what like how do i support them without having the energy to actually fully engage hit that like button that's a great way fantastic that's be the best all right and i'm hoping Next year summit? Well, we should talk before next year summit for sure. But mm-hmm. we should definitely go out and uh, find a time to hang out. Maybe go catch a meal and uh, catch about how awesome this experience was for you. Because I'm sure it's been it's been life changing. It has. I I feel I leave a changed man. I have to say. <laughs> I think I'm gonna I'm gonna look forward to sitting in the audience next year, Jordan, when you're uh, presenting your PowerShell summit talk. Is is what I'm thinking, right, Andrew? I'm- I'll have the topic be, yeah. any moment now. Any moment I'll have that topic. <laughs> we, we have a little bit of time to pick it. But thank you so much, Adil, for joining us. Uh, you're a great friend. So excited to have you. Um, mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. No, it was great. It was great fun. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, I yeah, think no, usually... Absolute pleasure being with both of you. So thank, thanks, you two, both, for your time. I'm happy to get the word out about uh, 
repositories and, and PowerShell and CloudSmith and all that stuff. But just I'm happy to talk about the PowerShell community we're all part of. Because, uh, yeah, I, I really love it. It's responsible for a lot of uh, life-changing things in my career and in our lives. So always happy to talk about that. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag live, love, laugh. Thanks for listening to the PowerShell Podcast with your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. You guys rock! We do it because we love you. The PowerShell Podcast is a production of PDQ.com.